now offering consultation services through Faithfully Engaged. If you're struggling finding a church, dealing with a destructive habit such as pornography, trying to find a way to homeschool your kids but don't know where to start, come check me out. Go to faithfullyengaged.com slash consulting to learn more information and to see how we can get started. Well, welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Faithfully Engaged. Uh, today, my guest name is Seisha. So, Seisha, why don't you introduce yourself to the audience today and uh, just kind of say say a little bit about yourself? For sure. So, my name is Seisha. Like you said, I'm a licensed professional counselor and a licensed alcohol and drug counselor here in the state of Oklahoma. Um, and I run a remote coaching business where I help women to just look and feel their best from their mind and their body. So focus on all things, mindset, nutrition, fitness. We just don't leave anything unturned. Um, I am a mom to two super busy kiddos. Um, I have a son that just turned three and he is autistic and I have a seven month old. And so that really sparked um, even my desire and calling to share more of our story and our show struggles of just having kids that are super busy and going through the special needs world. Um, so I actually have a podcast that I launched here recently and it's called uh, the mob mentality. So it's just all for moms of busy babies that just need somewhere to get together and, and to collaborate and feel like you have some support. Mm-hmm. I, I I love that. Um, I, I love pretty much all 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 the things that you said there. I, I do want to start off with because I've had um I've had other counselors on the show before. Mm-hmm. Um, as I'm a very much like Sasha, a licensed professional counselor in Oklahoma as well. Um, so tell me just a little bit about your journey. But what what initially led you into counseling? And um, yeah, just kind of tell me your your counseling journey there. For sure. So I actually had no idea that I would become a counselor when I started school. Uh, It wasn't until I actually started my graduate program. I went to OU and I had a professor that he really became a mentor and he kind of guided me along the lines Uh, at OU. There's a master's in human relations and then it kind of takes a turn into a counseling path. And he had owned private practice, psychiatry and everything. And He actually pushed me in that direction and thought it would be something I'd be really great at. And it really, it came naturally just being able to talk and connect with other people. Um, And then just from my own like personal experiences, as far as like upbringing and then even myself and the kind of the the chaos, you know, the, the winds and turns of our own lives. um, I felt a passion just to really dig in and help people struggling with addiction. And so overcoming a lot of the mental aspect and the behaviors and stuff that come along with that. So that became a a passion of mine. So that's really what guided me into the, into the counseling world. And from there, just things, you know, we kind of evolve and we become our own person along that uh, professional path. And that's what led me now into even coaching. Yeah. Uh, I, and I, and I want to get into the the coaching aspect a little bit more yeah. in, in just a second. But I am curious, um, especially with you doing podcasting. Again, I don't know. There's not a, a, a lot that have quite our intersection of being both a counselor and a, a podcast host. That's just a fairly mm-hmm. limited pool. Um, 
And for you, when when you do when you're doing podcasting, do you see kind of your your counseling skills, kind of those attending skills and things like that? Does that tend to come out for you when you're when you are doing a podcast? Yes, I think it just even when you do podcasts and even coaching, like I do a lot of remote coaching. I and you know counseling in the past was all just very much you know sitting in an office and face to face, and it's actually pretty incredible the amount of cues and just like the nonverbals and the tonality and everything that I feel like is so much of our skill set as counselors that still even just carries over with you into podcasting and doing remote interviews and talking with people. So I feel like that's a skill set I use constantly and has been really valuable still. And part of why I asked that is I've been doing my podcast for just this year. I mean, it's only been like four or five months or something. And I have people ask all the time, like, Oh, how did you, how did you do that? Like, how do you ask these questions? I'm like, I just take my day job and this is way easier than my day job. Like it's (laughs) it's pretty simple. Um, so yeah, I think it really is a valuable asset that, um, we we tend to not think about it very much because that's when your counselor is just kind of what you do but mm-hmm. most people don't have that most people don't think quite the the same way that we do and it, it can be applied in other ways um, like podcasting and then also um, jumping into your your coaching side of things mm-hmm. um, this is something that I'm you know when we initially connected I was really interested in because um, I'm I'm really at this phase in my career where it's like okay I, I still want to do the the typical counselor thing but i want to branch out a little bit i, I don't want to just mm-hmm. do the same thing for 30 years and, and retire whatever um so yeah. coaching really really interests me so tell tell a little bit more of just that journey into the coaching world how, how has that mm-hmm. worked out for you for sure so we actually owned a brick and mortar gym in edmond oklahoma and we had people, you know, come into the gym and they're wanting to get healthy and lose weight. It's kind of, you know, why we all walk into the gym, our motivation in the first place. Right. And people would get stuck and they wouldn't be losing the weight or have the progress that they wanted to have. Well, it's really what's going on the other 23 hours of the day that you're not in the gym that really matter most. Mm -hmm. And so I actually had people coming to me and I began coaching remotely, even with them to dig into more things of, you know, what does your home life look like? How do you manage stress? How's work? How's your nutrition? And that kind of like put me in that realm of being able to coach them to get better results in the gym. And when all the COVID and everything hit, I actually was kind of placed with an ultimatum with my job. And I was actually traveling a lot and they were going to close down my home office. I had just had my son and I was like, this doesn't work, you know, for me right now. Um, and I had, I had almost transitioned more into an administrative role along with counseling. And my partner was actually super supportive and he had wanted me to leave and do my own coaching thing for quite a while. And so it just gave me that permission to do it. It was like, now's the time, take the leap of faith, see what happens. And it was super scary, uh, but it really allowed me to be more authentically. I feel like even who I am, it's like allowing me to apply that skill set that I have as a counselor, but do it in my own personal way that doesn't have all these, you know, 
ethical guidelines that we're trying to follow and, and these limitations and rules. It's like, okay, this is how I can best help you. This is how I can serve you. I can share my own experiences with you and guide you along that process. And that's what led me to where I'm at today. And it's been pretty fantastic. You know, it's so interesting that you bring up COVID and that no matter who you are, um, you're you're Mm going to remember that, you know, especially 2020, but really through like 2022, it really seems like this year is when things have been somewhat normal, although there's still, you know, I think there will always be some repercussions from from that time frame. But mm-hmm. regardless, it's generally looked at as a as a negative. And don't get me wrong, like overall, yeah, it's bad. Like people died and uh, things shut down. Like I'm, I'm not saying that that's good. Yeah. But what I will say is story like yours and, and honestly with mine, um, I had some job things that really um turned around during that time frame. Um, and eventually I started working for another place remotely and now out all on my own. And honestly, co- without that kind of COVID precipice probably wouldn't mm-hmm. have happened. And I think that's what's so special about your story. What you're, sh- you're sharing there is you turned a admittedly rough situation mm-hmm. and let's use this as motivation to do something good. Let's not just sit in the the badness and, and kind of mope and, and feel sorry for ourselves. Like let's, yeah. let's challenge ourselves to do something. And and I think that probably stands as motivation when you're talking with, with your clients too, um, of helping motivate them mm-hmm. as well. I can definitely speak on it. It's like, you know, the fear and the, and how scary it is to just go through uncertainty. And I think that's what stops a lot of us from making any type of change that we want to see is, you know, we're fearful, we're scared, we're uncomfortable. And we, we just always put out there, you know, it's like the what ifs there are always going to be the what ifs. And when I was even faced with that situation, I was like, there are certain parts of my character that I'm like, no matter what crazy pandemic hits us or, you know, what life throws our way, I'm like, nothing's going to steal away those parts of, your own personal strengths and your character that you have developed. And that's what I had to fall back on. I was like, okay, you know, I can do hard things. If I'm going to set up my mind to do something like it's going to work out, things are going to be just fine. Instead of like, oh my gosh, I have a new baby. What if I can't put food on the table? Like that was not even an option. I was like, all right, if this is the direction I'm going to go, we're going to do our damn well best that we can at this. And we're going to take it for what it is. And I think just more people need to realize it's like, you have so much inner strength. You just need to pull it out. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of it is that mentality of, yeah, I'm going to make it happen. And Mm -hmm. that's something, and I'm, I'm kind of just curious on, on your thoughts on this, that Mm -hmm. I've been thinking through this of just in my timeframe of being a counselor, I, I graduated, uh, from grad school in 2013. Um, so okay. roughly a decade post, um, you know, post-graduation, actually mm-hmm. almost exactly a decade. Uh, uh, now that I think about it, um, you made I, it a decade in. That's right. That's right. A lot of people are already burnt out by that, this point. So you're well, doing pretty good. That's exactly right. And no, no doubt mm-hmm. about it. Uh, something I've seen even in that 10 years, um, is, more of a shift into being open about talking about mental health, um, 
uh, openly embracing like, yes, I'm struggling with anxiety or depression or whatever mm-hmm. it may be. And don't get me wrong. Overall, that's a good thing. Like, I, I think we should mm-hmm. be comfortable talking about those things. But I think an unintended consequence of that is I, I've seen a lot more. And this is just anecdotal um, evidence of, of what I've seen that a lot more excuses come along with that of, well, I can't do this because I have anxiety disorder mm-hmm. or I'm bipolar. So there's no way I can do this. And I'm sure this hits you personal of um, autism diagnosis, whether that's mm-hmm. the person themselves or as a parent, um, just a yeah. lot of limiting factors there, some legitimate, um, right. but often, I guess, over-exaggerated um, and, and holding yourselves back by just a diagnosis is not, it's not a good thing. And I don't think that's something mm-hmm. the the profession should be, be pushing. Um, mm-hmm. I, I'm just kind of curious of your thoughts on that, of if you felt like you've seen a similar shift um, and if the, uh, if the kind of the psychological counseling profession, if it at times maybe unintentionally so can limit people from realizing that potential like you're talking about. Yeah. This is such a good juicy topic right here. And I love that somebody like in the profession is willing to have this conversation because we're supposed to be the ones that are all like, Oh yeah, you know, this is your diagnosis. Be really, you know, supportive and, and empathetic and, you know, all the good things that come along with that. And it's like, we can't like, we can take that diagnosis, but again, that is not something that is supposed to control your entire life. And it's just, it's a piece. It's just a piece of who you are that you learn how to, in my hopes is to help you function at the various highest level that you can with that diagnosis. And it's not meant to limit you. It's allowed to give you more freedom. And so even with my, with my son and being diagnosed as autistic is I have came to found that I'm actually more of one of the rare ones when my kid was diagnosed, because I was like, please, please give me that diagnosis. So then I can do what's next. Mm -hmm. Like it was a stepping stone. I needed the diagnosis. So then I could then get him help in other ways that he needed. And I wasn't upset by it. It didn't make me be like, oh my gosh, you know, what's going to happen to my kid? You know, he's forever going to be nonverbal or, you know, labeled as autistic or different. I'm like, how are we going to get him to talk? How are we going to help develop social skills? How are we going to make him productive and, and disciplined and adventurous and, you know, all these good things. Um, And I was having a conversation with a client that I actually coached in the past and she has four boys. And we were talking about this very topic of how many kids now even, you know, will come to you. And it's great that they have this awareness, but they're like, well, I'm feeling really anxious today. And I, you know, I'm very depressed. And the words that, you know, come almost from counseling and from therapy that they're applying and using, but they're using it as some type of limitation. Mm -hmm. Like you said, of a reason why they cannot do certain things. And I think that's really sad. I, I agree. I agree completely. Um, I, I'm, that's something again, in kind of my own, uh, I don't know, professional journey or whatever mm-hmm. that, yeah, there is kind of that, uh, I'm kind of blanking on, on the terms, um, 
kind of like in in with uh, uh police officers kind of that that thin blue line you know you kind of hear that of uh everyone that's on my side like even if they did something wrong like we're not going to say about it because we're we're on this together uh that's not, mm -hmm. not not the best example but counselors kind of have a similar thing of like mental health is important and that's true um and we need to really push mental health as importance and again some truth to that mm -hmm. so therefore we don't criticize anything mental health wise and i i don't think that's how you grow um every profession every person has flaws and we don't grow by just hiding them like we, we need to talk yeah. about them and actually have debate and if I'm wrong, if you're wrong, then so be it. Mm -hmm. Like, let's, let's prove it. But mm -hmm. you don't prove it by just having silence and not, not talking about things. I, I don't think that's good for, for the discussion at all. Right. Or even just throwing your hands up and instead of being like, well, I'm bipolar. So that means I can't be productive or I'm bipolar. So that means that I can't, you know, manage my emotional state. Like, you can if you, if you want to, if you want to, yes. and you want to learn how to do that. And you said so many people now are just like taking that diagnosis and it, it doesn't give you a pass. I don't feel like to just be like, that's your label. That's it. Like, this is your opportunity, not your past to just stay complacent. Uh, absolutely. And, and that's something that, again, I think the counseling profession as a whole can really improve on is how are we, how are we empowering our clients? Um, mm -hmm. Somebody that has had a traumatic past. I've had many clients that have had traumatic past and sure there's that empathy part of like, yeah, that that's horrible. I'm sorry that happened. Yeah. To you. But we don't stay there. Like mm -hmm. you were abused as a child. That doesn't give you a right to just act like a jerk to everybody. It, it mm -hmm. gives you a, gives you an explanation, but let's not stay there. You're, you're not a child anymore. You're an adult. Let's, let's learn, let's grow. Yeah. Um, instead of that kind of that victim mentality of essentially we're telling our clients there that you, you're done. You you can't do anything with your life. And, and, yeah. I, and I, I know that's not the intention, but there's clearly what, you know, where there's smoke, there's fire and there's enough of these situations, especially with with kiddos um mm -hmm. that is sad we, we don't need to be limiting potential because they're anxious okay like you're anxious mm -hmm. but let's work through it anyways that's that's bravery that's courageousness yes um, yeah I, I'm, I'm glad to hear that you've kind of had some similar thoughts on this as mm -hmm. well I think we I mean we can even tie it into you know it's just like overall weight loss or you know our genetics and so many people just are willing to throw their hands up said and almost take on that victim mentality. It's like, well, I come from a family of heart disease or I come from a family of people that are diabetic. So that just automatically means that you're going to have heart disease and diabetes and be obese. And that's not the case. Mm -hmm. There's so many things that you can do to actually take care of yourself and to change that, that line of things. And you don't have to be one of those people that are just in your family that are that somebody else that is struggling with diabetes most of that's completely controllable uh, along those lines and this ties into everything that that we've talked about um for those of you that have not heard this term i'm not saying this to be disparaging it's just legitimately the term of of the fat acceptance movement that's really gained a lot of steam here recently and and just to kind of 
tie in the the listeners to this. Essentially, the fat acceptance movement um, at its core is saying that, you know, we don't need to be hateful towards people that are overweight or whatever, which, again, similar theme. That's true. We, we shouldn't just be making fun of fat people just for that. Like, that's that's mean. Mm-hmm. Um, but it it gets into that acceptance part that we need to accept that, that not only is that okay for them, but we also see even on magazine covers and all sorts of media things that this is healthy. That, that was a legitimate like front magazine. I don't remember what the magazine was, but a very, very overweight woman that, and it said, this is healthy and again, not trying to be mean, but that's not healthy. It's yeah. It's just not. So what, what's been kind of your experience, both in the counseling world and then even just in your coaching uh, profession of mm-hmm. just that fat acceptance type of movement? Oh, that was, you got some good topics here because like, I like that a lot, too. And but you're right. Like it, This is where I think it's allowed coaching allows me to be just so much more said authentically like who I am. And it's it's not healthy. And I think it's OK for us to actually have our own opinions as well. And as counselors, I feel like we're supposed to have a certain opinion and the right opinion that is very kind and accepting. And it's like, I feel like I'm a very kind, accepting person, but I do not want to be accepting of your unhealthy habits and your lifestyle that I know you can make better for yourself and overall improve your quality of life. And then what's so important to me is help improve the quality of life of your kids and your family. And I'm like, I, I was thinking to myself yesterday, I was like, you know, why do I do what I do? Why do I make sure that I get into the gym and take care of myself and, you know, teach my kids healthy habits. And I'm like, I don't want to leave my kids motherless. Mm -hmm. Like if some horrible accident happened that I have no control over, like, you know, that's the way it's supposed to be. But if it's something that I have control over, I'm going to do everything that I can to make sure that I'm as, around as long as I am. And I'm making these beautiful memories with my kids and they have really happy memories with me. And those happy memories in my mind don't consist on me sitting off on the sideline. Uh, absolutely. And, and again, it's going back into that, that control. There are things that are beyond your control. You get into that bad car wreck. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, that that's probably beyond your control mm-hmm. there. Um, most of the, the obesity type of diseases are yeah. preventable. And that's, mm-hmm. I think that's wonderful work that you're doing to try to inject like, no, you can do this. And again, kind of in, in that counseling psychological profession, I, I think that's what's so just so damaging that that's not that can it can be called controversial um that no like it's actually healthier to just eat whatever you want or whatever like you can say that but there's mountains of evidence to show that like you have an extremely high bmi or whatever like it's bad yeah it's that's not controversial um Mm -hmm. and i this is part of what I tie this to of my own uh, counseling practice and just how I try to operate things as a whole. I value truth. um, And ultimately I've kind of had this decision, you know, and COVID and just doing all of my, my own things is 
if me speaking truth in appropriate ways and loving ways, if that gets mm-hmm. me in trouble, then then so be it. Like I, mm-hmm. I don't want to integrity truth matters more than a job or or whatever. Cause I can't yeah. I can find another job. I can do something else, but I can't get that integrity back. Um mm-hmm. and that's not worth it for me. And yeah. the, the great thing about it is um, and I hope encouraging for anybody else that's listening, that's maybe you're not a counselor or wh- whatever. When you start challenging a little bit, you start speaking truth a little bit. You and I, we didn't even have this type of conversation planned, but it attracts oh. people. Um, mm-hmm. Ruth is very attractive and you will gain people on your side. So yeah, you might get enemies. You might get people mm-hmm. that really dislike you, but you also get people on your side and it's, it's just worth it. It's worth it to seek truth. Um, it mm-hmm. time and time again, it'll it'll prove you right. That's a powerful stand that you take, especially because I know how hard that can be from a counselor standpoint. Like I said, it's like we have these boards that we have to answer to, and we've worked so hard to gain our licenses. You know, it's like well, there's a lot of work that goes mm-hmm. into that, a lot of school, a lot of work after the fact that nobody sees or knows. And being able to risk that for yourself was like, okay, I can, I'm not going to put myself in a position to be untruthful or to not hold myself up to a high level of integrity. Said, I really respect that in you as a professional. And I'm sure your clients do as well, because that is powerful. And that's that other side of it too. And, and, and honestly, some of this helps the fact that I'm in, in Oklahoma, although that does not completely protect me by by any means. Um, but as opposed to some other states have taken much harder stances on all sorts of different things, essentially controlling what counselors can and can't say in, in the counselor room, which is which is insanely awful. Um, mm-hmm. So that's somewhat of the protection, although, again, that's I'm not naive. I know that's not a full protection. Um, yeah, but the biggest thing is challenging that ethically that I'm not, I don't go out of my way to say, Oh, my, all my clients, you have to have this opinion or you have to have that opinion. No, yeah. I'm not the business of that, but the ones that are seeking, um, true feedback or, or seeking, um, like, Hey, like I have this family member that's struggling with this. What, what do you think about it? And speaking truth, not even just my opinion, but, but truth, that's extremely mm-hmm. attractive, not just to other professionals, but to the clients that mm-hmm. like, oh, wow, like I haven't heard that from a from a counselor before or whatever. Yeah. Um, and again, if that strips me of a license by providing better care, then again, so be it. And that's why I'm so yeah. attracted to what you're doing. And there is a little bit of strategy in what I'm doing, too. That's part of why I have this podcast and um. I have my own private practice as well. That's mm-hmm. cash. That's cash only. Um, I'm trying yeah. to keep as few hands out of the cookie jar as possible. And yeah. there's some strategy there that should I lose my license, what I'm doing right now is building up enough of an audience and to where I can switch into coaching a lot easier than yeah. just, oh crap, <laughs> I don't know what to do. So yeah. There is planning, just like I'm sure you you had done as well. You didn't just like flip the switch one day. That your your thoughts had been going there for quite some time. Mm-hmm. So, 
yeah, it's a lot easier to be bolder when you are actively working out ahead, um, living yeah. a life of fear. You're not going to be very bold that mm -hmm. way. I wish I would have been more bold. Yes, even in the way that you're doing things, like having the strategy, I think is absolutely fantastic. And, you know, it's like that reach and collaborating with other people, because I, I felt like at the time, it's like, I didn't know anybody else that, you know, was in my profession and also kind of, you know, teetering on that line. And it almost seemed, and I even had a lot of family and people that still was like, so when are you going to go back to this? Like, when are you going to go back to counseling? Because they're like, that's just crazy that you, you know, spent all this money on school and went through all these things and did all of that. And then you're just going to leave it behind. I'm like, I didn't leave it behind, you know, all the skill set and everything comes with me. Sure. And I think that's what makes me good at what I'm able to do and help on a different level. But except this is just gives me so much more freedom mm -hmm. to do things the way that I want to do them and said, not have certain everybody's hands in the cookie jar of this is the way that it has to go. Um, so yes, like I said, I give all tons of props of just like said, being bold, being forward thinking, because I think a lot of people could benefit from more people that do have this expertise, do have this knowledge base, but then be able to help in so many other broader ways will tremendously impact our population. Yeah. And that's, that's exactly what it's about. And I know for you and for even some of the counselors that I disagree with on like everything, um, <laughs> they came in to try to help people. I, I do truly believe that um, the the people that are in the psychology profession, by, by and large, um, are very empathetic and do care about people. Um, I, I tried to paint people that I disagree with in a good light in that way, because, again, I le legitimately do believe it. Mm -hmm. Again, that being said, though, um, I'm in that for that same reason. And I think there's a lot of damaging things. Um, mm -hmm. And and I, I I hate to see this, um, but I can't disagree with it too much. I don't know if you uh, had seen any of this recently, um, but uh, Matt Walsh, which is pretty big, like conservative uh, commentator. I don't even listen to his stuff most of the time, but he had quite a bit, few comments here recently about therapy. Um, and with that, he was essentially saying like, Hey, most of what you do in therapy, like you don't really need to go. Like, is there a lot of evidence that therapy is even helpful? Um, and I certainly disagreed with a lot of what he was saying. Um, mm -hmm. but then again, I sit back and like probably what he sees in the, in the media or whatever, it's like, I can't really disagree with a lot of what he's saying too. And, and that's sad. Like that's my profession. Mm -hmm. I shouldn't have like negative views towards it. Yeah. Um, so again, that's another, uh, another reason of trying to be a little bit bolder and there's a, a minority, don't get me wrong, but a growing minority of counselors that some are conservative, some are not, um, but are just, saying, Hey, I don't, I don't agree with this. Um, yeah. I, I disagree with this, or at least just asking questions. Um, mm -hmm. and I see a lot of conflict, um, in, in the future, but, um, I think it's good. I think it's good that there's yeah. this remnant because I didn't know these people either. Um, but you, you start saying enough of these things out loud and that they'll find you that they'll, they'll be yeah. naysayers that that'll find you for sure. 
well, even realizing, like, I mean, told you, Mike, you made it a decade. Like, I mean, that's a big deal because there's so many people that are in the healthcare field just in general. And I think this, I mean, boomed and we began to see it. I mean, and all it just as bright as ever, whenever COVID hit, that there are so many professionals in the healthcare field, counselors that are just completely burnt out, stressed yeah. out, and they are not taking care of themselves. Yeah. I mean, we know we could look around a room of counselors and there's a lot of people that are overweight, overweight, unhealthy, stressed out to the max, like full of complaints. And that is no way to live. And it's like, even being in the healthcare field, like I do believe that it's our job as a therapist. It's like, we have to be well enough to help the people that are coming to us that are sick. Yes. No, you're, you're exactly right. It's not going to work. No, I, I think you're exactly right. And um, we see this too, not, you know, not just counseling, but um, with, with doctors that my goodness, like oh. talk about getting rest and exercise and all that stuff while they just work 20 straight hours in the hospital. Like that doesn't make sense that you're not right. modeling that, that behavior. And we certainly don't have time to uh, get into all of this, but a lot of that is, just the structure of uh, particularly mm -hmm. insurance payments and things like that. It's that's again, part of why my private practice is cash only is there's just so much red tape and rules and mm -hmm. ugh, this is all over the place um, yep. that. And then they don't even end up paying you that much. Like it's, <laughs> oh. it's, it's an awful system. Um, mm -hmm. and, and I, and I've plugged this before on a different podcast, but um, my my wife and I and, and my kids too, we are part of something that's called a direct primary care. Uh, have you heard of that before? Yes, I have. Okay. I, I love it. I love everything about it. Um, it is a, it's a cash only practice. It kind of works like Netflix. You have a, like a subscription, um, mm -hmm. but I'll, I'll give you kind of a uh, unflattering story of myself, I guess, out of ward on my toe. Um, and one of those things where like, if I was still on my insurance where like, yeah, I know I probably should remove, but let me just go get over the counter stuff and do it myself. Mm -hmm. I don't want to pay for a, for a doctor's visit. Instead, I text my doctor. Hey, got a wart. Says, can you come in tomorrow? Yep. Five minutes in and out the door. See you later. <laughs> That's it. That no yeah. money was exchanged, nothing, because I already had that subscription in there. Mm -hmm. And my care is so much better. It's ridiculously yeah. better. And insurance isn't touched at all. And I think that's a mm -hmm. massive part of it because he doesn't. The only person that works for him is his wife, who is a nurse as well. Mm -hmm. um, otherwise, there's no front desk. There's there's no nothing because you don't have to do the red tape. Um and I, I just love the outside the box type of thinking yep. that all of healthcare is have, having. And even with you using counseling techniques and a like, hey, let's help you get healthier, not just mentally, but physically. It's wonderful. Mm -hmm. We need that. We we all know that this country um, and really all the West is not doing well with our health. So let's do something about yeah. it. Let's think outside the box. So there's so much bad that goes on and I get it, but there's a lot of good new ideas going around too that I think is really exciting. 
Yeah, I agree with you. And I think that whole movement and that shift is, I mean, it's coming from people in the medical field that are like, I am tired of, you know, insurance and companies telling me that my schedule has to be filled every 15 minutes with someone new. Like what kind of patient care is that? And I think those doctors that are making that even transition, they're becoming a lot healthier and a mm -hmm. lot happier because they aren't stressed out to the max. And I know it can be extremely difficult and hard and, you know, it's like, that's your means of survival and that's your job. And, you know, being able to say no and set boundaries, but you have to be able to take a step back. And this is in whatever profession anybody mm -hmm. listening is in. Like if you are just completely like said burnt out and I was that person that when the alarm went off in the morning, I was like, I did not want to get out of bed because I'm like, how many fires am I going to have to put out today? And it was just like this sense of just dread. I felt so heavy that I just didn't even want to get out of bed. And now it's like, you know, I wake up and I'm ready to work and I'm like, I'm up at four o'clock working just because like I get to do it. It's something that I enjoy doing. And like, those are your signs. Those are yeah. your cues that you need to make some type of change in your life, whether it's start with your own physical health and like what you need to do in order to be less stressed out and burnt out or look at where you need to begin to start setting those boundaries in your workplace and, you know, open your mouth and communicate what you need because something needs to change. Absolutely. And, and again, what it comes down to is you have, you have to act, you have to mm -hmm. do something. And that might be, maybe it's calling up Seisha of like, Hey, I, I want to get back in the gym, um, but something's stopping me. Can you help me? Great. That, that could yeah. be your first step. It could be, I'm going to start sleeping more. I'm going to go walk outside more. I don't care what it is, but you have to right. do something. Um, mm -hmm. And you can't wait for the doors to just open. That I, I'm not going to just call some random person. Hey, do you want counseling today? Like you have mm -hmm. to call me. Um, you, you have to take that first step. And again, that's something that everybody has the ability to and um, and, and is another reason why I made this podcast is there's so much material out there about what all's going wrong. But in the end, if you're just looking at what's wrong and complaining, that's not doing you or anybody else to look at good. Like find out what's wrong and then do something. Um, mm -hmm. Take a step. And maybe you took the wrong step. So be it. Go find another one. But at least try. At least do something. So. I think that this this was this is wonderful. I I love really the heart of what you're doing, your your story, how you're impacting other people, and and also just your own your own personal story of how you're not letting a a difficult diagnosis for many parents to hear, not keeping you down, and let's let's get my son the best help and make him the best that he can yeah. be. What what a what a wonderful story, and I'm imagining people listening to this episode probably want to get in contact with you, know more information about you and what yeah. you do. So uh, how can they be in touch with you? For sure. So um, Instagram and YouTube are both great places. I do all of my own communication and outreach. So if you message me, you're actually going to get me, which mm -hmm. I think is kind of special nowadays. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but on Instagram, it's Sasha. it's S-A-S-H-A underscore fit counselor. And then on uh, YouTube, it's just Sasha Rogers, LPC. Perfect. And I will have all of that linked down there in the show notes. So you guys can, can check that out. And Sasha, thanks again oh. so much for, for being on and having this needed conversation. 
this was great. I enjoyed it. I'm glad so you had some really great topics. I hope to come back. Uh, absolutely. I, I, I would agree with that. I've got I, so far, I think I've only had one official person that has been on twice. Uh, I do have a couple more in the works, but I, I agree that that is an open invitation. No doubt about it. Oh, well, thank you. I want to be one of those handful. This was great. Yes. Okay. And, and thanks again um, for everyone that tuned in today. I really appreciate you listening in and we'll catch you on the next episode.